Welcome to the Faith Today podcast, conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine. I'm Karen Stiller. Dr. Sam Reimer is a sociology professor at Crandall University in Moncton, but I like to think of Sam as the tolerance guy because he does research on political tolerance in Canada in a way that very few people have. And that includes discovering some surprising things about whether religious people are actually more intolerant than other Canadians, as our reputation tends to indicate. Sam has good news. His paper, Political Tolerance and Religion in Canada, Unexpected Findings, which he will refer to in this podcast, is currently under peer review. Enjoy this interview, and then go out and be very kind to people, because that helps. Sam, tell us in broad strokes about this research project. Right. So I was interested in this project because generally in Canada, we view ourselves as a very tolerant nation. And yet I wondered sometimes if our understanding of tolerance was accurate, more maybe we thought tolerance was just embracing diversity. And so I wanted to actually do research in Canada because there's very little research in Canada about this notion of tolerance, particularly political tolerance. Yeah, it does seem like a national virtue that we bestow upon ourselves, that we are a very Mm -hmm. tolerant country. So I think I would find it really helpful if we defined, or if you defined for us, tolerance and intolerance. What do we actually mean? So by political tolerance, we mean a willingness to grant civil liberties to disliked groups. So obviously intolerance would be an unwillingness, not being willing to grant civil liberties to disliked groups. So I'll unpack it a little bit. The idea of civil liberties is common sort of citizen rights. So we're thinking of free speech, the ability to assemble, the ability to protest, you know, avoiding discrimination, the basic things that we think of as civil liberties that should be given to all citizens. The disliked groups part is also pretty important because the argument here is that we can't tolerate people that we like. The idea is that we tolerate groups that we dislike, those kind of groups that we find offensive or you know, have ideas that aren't in line with what we agree with or whatever else. So that's an important part of tolerance versus just you know being permissive or something like that. Okay, let's unpack disliked groups. Who, who are we talking about? Yeah, so the disliked group will vary a lot depending on your attitudes generally. So if you tend to be you know, politically conservative, uh, you might dislike uh, liberal, political liberals. If you tend to be religiously conservative, you may dislike atheists. On the other hand, if you're an atheist, you might dislike religious conservatives. And so it really depends where you sit in sort of socio-political space about what your general attitudes and the kind of groups that you find are close to you, those that you affiliate with, those you like, as opposed to those groups that you don't like. So it could be anywhere in that range of groups. It could be ethnic groups that we dislike. It could be sexual minorities, LGBTQ type people. It could be a variety of things that some people find unpopular or or disagreeable, and other people will find that they really like it. So it just totally depends on the person and where they sit. Okay. And so taking, I guess, from the other side of the coin, are there a group of people who you can say are more or less tolerant in their attitudes than others? So generally in Canada, it is viewed that people who are religiously conservative or even politically conservative, the the assumption is they tend to be less tolerant. Uh, My research suggests that that generally is not correct. The reason they tend to be viewed as intolerant is because I think of the way we've often measured 
tolerance. And I, my research suggests that, you know, we're all fairly uncomfortable with groups we don't like. It just depends which group we're talking about. And uh, so if I ask people, which I do in the survey, choose the group you don't like. And when they choose the group they don't like, they tend to be fairly intolerant of that group. Okay. So when I hear you say uh, that religious people are not necessarily intolerant, that in fact, they may be tolerant. Mm -hmm. I I feel like this is like wonderful news. And I want to tell all my friends who think otherwise, (laughs) that this is the case. Like we have such a bad reputation. I think religious people have a terrible reputation in this department. Can you speak to that, Sam? Yeah. So I think you're right that in general, there is an assumption that people who are orthodox, uh, religiously conservative uh, in their beliefs, or else they are committed, as in they go to church often and do those kind of things, that those are the kind of people that are most intolerant. And I think that's because historically we have, well, religious groups have not had a great reputation about why they handled certain minorities in the past, for sure. We can think of the way the indigenous peoples have been treated in the past, for example, and often by religious authorities. But what we're finding more recently is that those kind of stereotypes that those who are committed religiously or those who are conservative religiously are not necessarily less tolerant than is than are most Canadians. Okay. But are we saying that we're all a little bit intolerant? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, we are. So the problem is that when it comes to tolerance, we're usually, we have to tolerate groups we do not like. And those groups that we do not like, we tend not to be terribly tolerant toward. What I found in general in the research was that people, when they choose the group that they like the least, even though they might be doing things that are legal and should be given, you know, the right to do those things because it's a basic citizen right, they tend not to want to do that. So, for example, if I ask people who do not, who are very religious, you know, what would, how would you feel if an atheist was to teach your children? They tend not to be very open to that idea, even though that would be someone's right to do so, to be able to teach children, say, in a public school. So it's those kinds of things. The other, we go on the other side, of course. If we are looking at uh, people who are atheists, and I say, you know, an evangelical Christian or a committed Muslim, were to teach your children, they also would be unhappy with that idea and probably not be willing to accept a teacher uh, with those qualifications. You know, it's interesting to me that you use that example of a teacher, because I don't know if you followed this news story recently, but there was a piece about a heavily tattooed individual who had even Mm -hmm. had the whites of his eyes colored. Uh, And he's quite frightening looking, and he wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. And, you know, parents... I think quite understandably pushed back that he was quite scary looking, but it in, in the media, like it was, I mean, they were actually pretty careful about how they reported it because it's such an extreme example, I guess. But the idea of who has the greater right here came up with the the parents to say, no, you're too scary or the teacher I get to teach wherever. Um, So, so often these issues do land in the area of freedom and freedom of speech and, and all that. So how do we balance that, Sam? And what does your research show? I know it's sort of a huge question. Yeah, it's really, that's a really tough question. So on the one hand, there are certain things that should not be tolerated. Obviously, 
illegal things should not be tolerated. And in Canada, uh, hate speech is illegal and should not be tolerated. The question is when exactly it is hate speech and when it and uh, are or are we is it not hate speech? It's just someone's opinion. And in those cases, we would be infringing on the individual rights of the person, which is free speech. So that's a tough line. And judges have to play with that line all the time when they decide whether or not it's hate speech. In my view, we have to sort of decide whether or not we are harming a certain group, a cer- particularly a certain minority group with what is being said. Is it affecting their safety or their uh, freedom to enjoy all the rights of other citizens? If it does, then those acts probably should not be tolerated. Yeah. And generally, society would be in agreement on that, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Canada is more careful in those areas than, say, the United States, where they're more into into individual freedoms, a right to say just about anything you want, and they actually do not have uh, hate speech laws like we do in Canada. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So I think religious groups, I'm assuming, and you can confirm this, could be a disliked group to some people. Is that right? Absolutely. So the most disliked group religiously in Canada would be what we would call extremist Muslims or fundamentalist Muslims. Those tend to have the bad, the worst reputation, if you like, and maybe partly stemming from 9-11 and other events that are terrorist in nature. But uh, close behind would be fundamentalist Christians and people who would be considered extreme in their Christian views. Okay. Um, so I don't want to assume that our audience includes people who would be considered to be extremists, but let me invite you to sort of speak to the church a little bit. It's not that we say things to be liked or we avoid saying things because we don't want to be disliked, but are there some um, mistakes maybe the church makes that slot us into that group or is it all just being misunderstood? Yeah, that's a great question. Of course, I don't know everything that is being said in churches, but there are certain ways that churches can present in ways that just seem intolerant. Mm -hmm. Uh, They sort of lead with their thou shalt nots instead of, you know, we actually love our neighbor around here kind of lead. And so when that is up front, I think the church is doing a disservice to themselves and just appearing discriminatory or intolerant. Uh, in their actions. Um, So there are better or worse ways to lead, you know, in conversations with people and in presentations and uh, what our church believes. I would say that thou shalt not and emphasizing those lifestyle or behavioral things that we don't like would be not the best way to to lead. Instead, there's an embracingness that most churches, that a lot of churches have. Unfortunately, of course, uh, the churches that are the most inflammatory with their comments are the ones that tend to make the news. So we do have to be careful. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very interesting. Because when I think about, uh, like, just people in my own life who don't go to church or would never call themselves Christians. And as I think about how uh, they get to know me, and I get to know them, I know I encounter that stereotype that it's all about rigidity and rules and telling other people what to do and being judgmental, that that Mm -hmm. perception of people of faith is very alive and real out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. And the research I did actually shows that those who have a very rigid 
what we call a fundamentalist orientation. Those who say, you know, I'm uniquely right and I'm always right because of my religious beliefs and you are wrong and therefore I can just write off you know, anything you say that might hint at disagreeing with me. Those kind of people are indeed more intolerant. A very strong us versus them mentality will drive a higher level of intolerance. But that's a little different than orthodoxy per se. I can hold a very orthodox view, or someone else, a religious person, could hold a very orthodox view of, say, beliefs in what the Bible says or whatever holy book we're referring to, and yet be open to other people's opinions in a non-sort of rigid way, which would mean then that on most of these tests, we would not be, those people would not be uniquely more intolerant than most Canadians. Okay. And more pleasant at a dinner party. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so I do also encounter this feeling, and I know I've felt it before too, where I have this Canadian idea, I think, that everyone is tolerated in Canada except religious people. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that attitude amongst, you know, people that I know and, and talk to. Tell me why, why do we think that? And is that at all true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say religious people, the people with a bad rap in Canada, and a lot of them are, a lot of the bad rap does go toward religious people, but those religious people are either religiously committed or they're religiously conservative. And those kind of people are viewed as having exclusive beliefs. Now, this is a big unpopular thing in Canada to have beliefs where we say, you know, these behaviors, these lifestyles, these beliefs are wrong and other beliefs are indeed correct, the ones that we hold. And so if you have exclusive beliefs or conservative beliefs, which tend to be often exclusive, and add to this often the view that uh, religious conservatives are insulated, they're, they're they have closed networks, they separate themselves from the rest of the world, and so naturally they don't have positive views toward diverse peoples because they, you know, they like to be in their own holy bubble and ignore what everybody else is saying. Um, those two things clearly feed into the perception that religious people are going to be less tolerant because they're rigid and they're exclusive in their beliefs. So I think that's partly where the stereotype comes from. And obviously, it's it's partly historical baggage as well, right, Karen? We we have this unfortunate past, which we you know where we really were intolerant of people <laughs> right, with right. different different views and different attitudes. And so that is unfortunately something that sort of carries on, even if it happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And and also, I mean, just the like, core belief of Jesus being the only way to the Father that mm -hmm. a lot of obviously, <laughs> we believe that deeply in our faith that I've had conversations with uh, non believing friends where they are astonished that I would hold that belief. And, you know, generally, I point out that all religions hold some kind of belief of exclusivity, or like, what's the point in a way, like most religions mm -hmm. think they are the right religion. And I mean, that does help in that kind of dialogue, I think it helps me at least. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that is a part of what religious people do. But we have to remember that all kinds of non religious groups also have exclusive beliefs, right? And in fact, they actually are more or less insular. We know that status groups like rich people, for example, are quite insular, we don't want to hang around with those average, you know, income people. And so they create country clubs and gated communities and all kinds of things. So to keep out, uh, you know, the the hoi polloi. So uh, it's pretty typical uh, that exclusion is just part of, of human nature, I think, in a lot of ways. 
And so we have to actually work hard as religious people not to be unnecessarily exclusive. Yeah. Oh, that is, uh, that's actually super helpful and explains why I can never get in a country club. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I mean, if you believe something, you, you believe it generally, right? You, mm-hmm. you hold on to that belief. So, and, and some beliefs exclude other beliefs. So indeed. Yeah, that's actually very helpful. So Sam, bottom line, what can people of faith or what would you like people of faith to take from this study and your research? So at the end of my article, I emphasize the importance of what tolerance is, which is not that we change our beliefs and not that we no longer have a negative attitude towards certain attitudes, beliefs, lifestyles, or whatever that we dislike. Those things remain intolerant people. What tolerant people do, though, is they have that important second thought. They stop for a minute and say, hmm, in a diverse society where we have a lot of different beliefs and lifestyles, does this person deserve the same civil liberties that I deserve? And when we stop and think and realize that our immediate emotional knee-jerk reaction might not be the one that is best, is the best reaction, in those situations, then we usually can make better choices. So this is partly what I'm advocating for in the article and what I'd advocate to people of faith. Take that sober second thought, wait for a minute and think, you know, in a society where, you know, my voice is not necessarily the majority anymore, do I really think that these individuals deserve the same civil rights that I hold important to, m- to myself? And if so, then uh, we, should, we should allow those things to, be, to, to exist, right? Basic citizen rights should be freely given to everybody, even if I disagree with them. Oh, thank you, Sam. Where can people read this article or find you online even for more reading on this? Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, Karen, I have it under review and it is not yet published. And so we can publish it out there. So, but we did speak about this in a previous podcast. And so there's that information that is out there. And also in Faith Today, we talked a little bit about it in an article that we presented almost a year ago, I think, Karen. I think so. so. Yeah. So we'll include all those links for people. Perfect. Thank you, Sam. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.